Here we go. It is podcasting time. Glenn Power is here from PowerWorks Garage. We are at PowerWorks, and we are going to be talking cars for the next little bit. Uh, a big hello to everyone watching us on YouTube. Great to see you all and have you here. Leave your comments, likes, suggestions, etc. And uh, across whatever streaming platform you're getting us, hello and welcome to the program. And a special shout out to the folks who are listening on traditional radio at Talk 100.3 great to have you along as well on this podcast and as i keep saying to everyone you like what you're hearing give us a like you've got a suggestion give us a suggestion you've got a question fire it away we monitor all of our channels and if you're on terrestrial radio send them a whatsapp they'll get to us as even, well even trollers yeah yeah i don't mind a bit of trolling okay well, there we go yeah, yeah. <laughs> i respond to the trolls it's fine <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, I wanted to kick off with uh, a couple of quiz questions because, you know. Uh, oh, oh, before I kick off with a couple of quiz questions, Joey Woo Woo update. He finally got his Harley. Okay. How's right. he going to warm his food up on that? I don't know. I mean, this is a. Straight a, on the exhaust, I guess. I'm, I'm thinking. He's just going to duct tape it around the exhaust yeah. and things. Also, interesting fact is for a long time, he was talking about the Jeep Wrangler that he had rented. And, you know, of course, he was like a you know boy in a candy shop because once you get a Wrangler, you can never get rid of a Wrangler. Even though you can find all sorts of faults with a Wrangler, yet you don't want to give it up. Yeah. And he seems to have just sort of rolled into, yeah, this is the vehicle I really should be driving. Casually, a, now a Wrangler owner. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Rental company desperately trying to get it back from yeah, and he's going, it. No, I need it. I need it. Hostage situation in, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, Joey Woo Woo. <laughs> <laughs> well you know he sampled it and now he wants it yeah i guess he's just struggling to come to terms with that i think so absolutely a uh, quick question windshield wipers do you know who invented them on cars uh <laughs> no 1905 uh, 1905 cars have been out you know a little while now 1905 people were still getting out of their cars every now and then to you know do the hand across the windshield and clean things off invented by a woman mary anderson she said enough of this you guys guys can never sort things out i've got an idea she invented windshield wipers <laughs> i mean they work <laughs> fantastic invention and it's one of those inventions that you think well surely that was on the first ever car yeah i mean like, why how would you drive a car without it especially yeah. considering where cars were invented because <laughs> it does say rain and snow and and you would think henry ford one you know a trailblazer in the car market you think this would have been one of his things? He he figured out what to do with the excess wood when he was building his cars. The yeah. Kingsford briquettes for barbecues <laughs> obviously came from that. Yeah, yeah, they, but you they, know, didn't have windshield wipers. Without getting into a whole evolutionary biology debate, I think most people that have most men that have women in their life would agree that women are much more detail orientated clearly than than they are. Well, and I, I can tell you that about. You know, I could, I could go home and stand back thinking, "Oh, what a job I've done today," and Amy would find something that, I, which was critically important, but I'd missed it because to me it was a fine detail; it didn't yeah. matter. And don't get me wrong, Henry Ford had a lot on yeah. working out how to mass-produce production line a car, but 
is Mr. Detail, which <laughs> a car without wipers is undrivable it is. in most of the Northern Hemisphere. So I, I don't know the story behind Mary Anderson and this this creation, but I suspect that the guys are driving and whoever is the passenger is being told, hey, get out there and just wipe down the windshield. So she probably also got really tired if she oh, yeah, was the passenger. Oh, yeah, there may have been some you know, necessity yeah. in this that she, you know, she, she's, she's sat there as a passenger because it's back in the day, right? So yeah, like yeah. I say, the men are driving. She sat there as a passenger and then having to lean out. Yeah. Yeah, she's not happy with that. No, no. So I've got to come up with a solution. Yeah. And I'd love to see some of the early renditions of windshield wipers because I can just imagine. What I mean, don't got. forget, though, also, a lot of people didn't used to have screens on, their win- on the cars. Oh, they used true. to wear driving goggles and hats, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> I was watching an, uh, an edition of Yellowstone, and I maybe it was 1921, was that, that set. And they were driving one of their cars in the winter there's a light snow but it had to be cold enough for snow so it's around zero and there's the windshield on the car no windows on the sides and they're like fully blanketed up in the back and and it's going over ruts and things like zero suspension on this thing so it's bouncing and i'm just going that'd be the horrible ride yeah (laughs) yeah i mean even even like through to the what eight is some cars a heater was a was an option yeah because you know so that when something's an option it means it's not been around that long yeah you know like <laughs> bluetooth for your car 20 yeah. years ago yeah, was an option yeah because yeah. it's relatively new no you don't have bluetooth you're not so now everything's car. got bluetooth yeah. right and it's same with same with heaters same yeah. with wipers imagine that option <laughs> optional <laughs> or to, what would they have called there's no way they called the wiper blades that would have been called something fantastic in the early 1900s, wouldn't it? Some we'll have Victorian to, English. We'll have to it would have been amazing. I have to go back and look it up. Uh, some some kind of... Yeah. That, I can imagine the whole... I mean, they obviously <laughs> didn't do it, but the, the whole page yeah. of justifying the shekels that you had to pay for the... And how this is going to change your life. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, loving it. But no, take it for granted. And then, now, interesting or not, were the wipers fitted and at the same time washer jets? Oh, I'm sure there were no washer jets. That, so, so then your wipers when are all the washer useless. jets come in. Yeah. See, that's it. Wipers. I mean, then again, you're not going that fast to worry about squashing bugs, are you? No, like these, in the these 19, vehicles were in going the 1900s. Like 30 miles an hour, 40 miles yeah, an I mean, hour. It's not, it's not far removed from when they thought if a human being went on a train above 30 miles an hour, they'd dissolve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they weren't going that fast. <laughs> So they weren't doing any bug damage. So yeah, without washes, they're fine. Yeah, maybe, maybe. The the other one that I came across was the term tune-up. Okay. And where did tune-up come from? And this goes right back to Henry Ford. And the write-up that I'm looking at here says that he spent a lot of time working on cars, of course. And he noticed that when the coils worked together, they would buzz. If the coils didn't make the buzzing sound, it showed they needed an adjustment, and that later became called the tune-up. Yeah, I got told a similar thing by Mr. Ashmore that took me under his wing when I was a young whippersnapper at VW, but he he told me that the term tune-up came from the sound of the exhaust. Ah, okay. And and, And that's how they... And to be fair, on the old stuff, he did used to use how, you know, he'd feel the the way the gas was being expelled out the exhaust and he'd, and he'd, and he'd listen to the sound of it and time a vehicle right. based on that, you know, he'd loosen the 13 on the bottom of a coil, uh, on the bottom of a distributor and it just 
turn it until he was happy with how it sounded and there how it felt. And then he'd put, anyway, then he'd put the strobe light on it just to be sure and any fine adjustments. And most yeah. of the time he'd make a very fine adjustment, but he was, he was there or thereabouts. Yeah, so cool. yeah, I was told a similar thing. Nice. Yeah. So lots of, lots of, you know. It, and also we don't really have, it's Graham's an old man, but he wasn't that old. Those, those coils on a, on an old car, I would imagine would have been huge. <laughs> yeah. Like Model T coils have got to have been the size of your head. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. To have created the kind of voltage that, that they, Can that you they have to. I, I always go back when you're looking at the development of cars, you look at the 1900s. It's, you know, that's really not too long ago that the automobile showed up. Not really. Considering where we are now. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, we still still had people dying of cholera, didn't we, in London? Yeah. <laughs> like, water wasn't even clean. <laughs> no. People still, you know. First world countries had sanitation issues. Yeah, they still had a hole in a little wooden shed outside the house for the water closet. So, yeah, considering where we are now, um, ridiculous. Yeah. Amazing steps forward. Which, which brings me to just something that I... I saw on car and driver yesterday and it just grabbed my attention the 2024 chevy colorado bison and i, I truly started laughing as i i looked at this vehicle because all i could think of was it fits nicely in with all of the you know the these giant pickups that we're starting to see and they're coming out and this thing is a beast an absolute beast and i'm just trying to figure out where do you park it if you're using it industrial Excellent. Well, obviously, that's going to be parked across three supercharger bays <laughs> at a Tesla charging station, isn't it? I did that the other day, accidentally parked. Well, I didn't accidentally. The wife was running into the store really quickly, and so I just, there was no parking spot, so I just sat in the Tesla bay for a bit. Of course, the Tesla wanted the bay. <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a DJ's seen a couple on the road now, electric Wranglers here. Really? Yeah, so oh. just pretend you're electric. Just yeah. plug it in somewhere. Is it fully electric or is it hybrid? Think well, DJ said the one he saw quite up close and personal was a fully electric one. Wow! Mm. See, I don't want one of those. But well, well, that being said, we've had go. Anyone who wants to hear our discussion of electric cars, go back and listen to some of our previous podcasts. You can find them on Podaholics with a K. Just Google it. The James Cast. Google it. James Casts. If you want the videos, Google that too. But we spent an extraordinary amount of time talking about issues with electric cars. You having driven one and, and, and driving one in those podcasts, and there was a whole bunch of anxiety, one with range. But actually, range never really became the big thing. It was charging anxiety. Yeah. And I was just reading something this morning in CBC. It's a little bit dated. But go and Google this as well. Uh, CBC electric car first person interview. And this woman is writing a first person article about a, her electric car and the fact that she never thought charging would take up so much of her life. And so, yeah, Wrangler would be nice electric, but man. Then well, I, 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 I uh, we, so at the, at the garage here, we, we get quite a few electric cars now because there are a few around and we get a few Teslas. We look after a few Teslas and we've done modifications and this, that and the other. Mm. Now with that comes communities like anything. There's a Wrangler community. I don't know if you're part of it. I'm not, but obviously yeah, I'm not. On that. But there's a community for anything now. Um, and the Tesla community has a big problem because to buy taxes 
now there are hundreds of the Tesla taxi on the road. Taxis need to charge oh, a lot more than Joe Blogs going to and from work. And the complaint is that every single charging station is full of taxis. I get that. By the, by the, there's two charging stations at the Enoch by my house. There's a Burger King right in front of those charging stations. There are always taxis yeah. charging. Yeah. I guess they're grabbing a Whopper as well. I don't know what they're doing inside. Windows are tend to do what they want. But the, the difference being that if you have your charging network, which we've talked about in the past and we don't need to go over it, you'll find it somewhere with all the expense and all the infrastructure changes and additions and everything else that it's going to create for the draw on the grid and the extra cabling and et cetera, et cetera. Then you get it built and then there is nothing that anybody can do if I park my car in there and then leave. I could leave and come back tomorrow. (laughs) Right? And then what do you do? You need to charge your car and you can't because I'm parked there. You can't take the... You can't take the charging plug out of the car even when it's fully charged. Ah. It's locked. Nobody can take it out. And even if you could, you can't get close enough to use that because there's a car in there. This is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. This is a huge problem. Yeah. And say what you want, say what you will. It's just another, it's just another real life. It's a little bit like we just talked about not having wiper blades on yeah. cars. Yeah. No one thought about this. Infrastructure. It's, it's, be careful what you wish for. Oh, it, it'll roll out and it'll count. Ca- it'll just catch on and the infrastructure will keep up. Malls aren't putting every second parking no. spot as a, an EV charging station. No. And even if they were, you want, well, good luck laying the cable, you know, good luck with that. Good luck with that. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's quite interesting to see all these little, and, you know, and, and you can you can pass them off and say it's teething troubles, it's teething troubles. Yeah. But, but when do you stop? Yeah. When we, how many years in do you say yeah? Actually, because we've just spoken, it's a hundred and it's only hundred eighteen years since wiper blades were invented. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we. I mean, we still considering the history of man. Yeah. That's the blink of an eye. Yeah. So, are we really? going to keep saying it's teething troubles or are we just going to say you know what this might be the solution for long haul heavy freight but for everyday passenger use shall we just work something else out yeah i i think you're onto something here and this is this is that big problem in infrastructure and who's gonna pay for the infrastructure well we know we'll pay for it (laughs) yeah and it'll be it'll be down to the ultimately the taxpayer and that's great when it's when it's a public service but i just don't i mean i I just can't imagine the amount of unbelievable copper consumption yeah just to put the cables in and the irony behind all of this is the excavators that are going to be digging the roads up to lay them they're going to be powered by diesel (laughs) you know the yeah. staff, the the, the 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 operators and the workers and the staff on the site are going to be taken there on a diesel coach or a diesel bus or yeah. drive there in their petrol powered car. Yeah. And you know, and then the the supercharger itself is going to be made 
out of plastic, which is a derivative <laughs> of crude oil. Right. You know, which is, so, which, well, I was actually talking with Colin about this, uh, that plastic is listening to a report about plastic saying, yeah, we can, we're always talking about cutting down on plastic. Good luck. Wow. First, first of all, it's, it's packet. Everything is packaged. I, I get some yeah. wontons and dumplings from Weimart that come from China and Korea and Japan. Yeah. The amount of high quality plastic, yeah. the trays are plastic. There's a plastic covering. There's a plastic sheet. There's a plastic wrapper. It's four separate parts of plastic. Yeah. And then the problem is it's way more expensive to recycle plastic than it is to just make new plastic. So we're doomed yeah. until we just stop doing it. But like yeah. you said, there's a whole industry built around this. Well, I, I remember being at school and like, I was like year three, maybe year four. So that would have been uh, eight or nine years old, I think. And my teacher, shout out to Mrs. Bartlett. She was telling us, she was a little bit senior in, in, in age, but then again, this is the early nineties. Um, she was telling us about, she remembers when plastic was a new thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's a, there was a washing detergent in the UK. I can't remember the one that she said it was, but let's say for argument's sake, it was Ariel. There are other brands available that came with a free plastic flower. Okay. It's like a big promotion. No, yeah. get your plastic flower. Like, look, it looks real. I mean, I can imagine it didn't because they don't look real now. So God, <laughs> I, what it looked like then, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, it's what it is. It's all subjective. And, and she was telling us about that. And that must have been, looking back, maybe the 40s, or wow. 50s at yeah. best. I, I remember. So from 50s to now, you can't do anything without plastic. And there is no alternative. There's a, there was a story about, you know, Mars are going to start putting Mars bars in paper wrappers. That doesn't matter, any because Mars bars are so small soon yeah. that you don't need to wrap them. The pr that, it's amazing, isn't it, how they've shrunk. Yeah. yeah. It used to be this big, hearty chocolate bar. And yeah. now... Yeah, so I mean, they're all about putting their, their, their wrapping their chocolates in, in paper. Great, fantastic. No, that's, that's a fantastic idea, and, and and that is something that we can do. But paper comes from trees. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always something, and like you said, it's the cost of the recycling that, that then things actually don't get recycled. Well, they it, get taken away and then don't. Well, think, think of your butcher, and I always, you know, you, you go and now get your prepackaged meat, and it's in a styrofoam yeah. thing that's got a, a layer to absorb stuff. Yeah. It's covered in plastic. Again, you got four layers of stuff that none of it's getting recycled. It's all going into it. it when you know, 40 years ago, you'd go to the butcher counter, he'd rip off some wax <laughs> yeah, paper, yeah, wax paper yeah. hold it up and away you went. Now, yeah, you had to wait as he scooped out, you know, a, a kg of ground beef or ground the beef to put there. Yeah. I worked in a butcher. It's a good example that we used to do that. Yeah. Used to do that. People but, would wait though, because they'd say, "You know, I want a piece of topside for Sunday roast." How many people? Oh, four people. All right, cut. Is that all right? Yeah, we'd weigh it, give them a price, oh, and then wrap it in wax paper, yeah. and they'd take it away, and they'd use it that day. Yeah, yeah. Or the next day. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> crazy, right? It's but crazy you world. know, we we've got to to back to the cars. You know, you've got a lot of car manufacturers, Volvo in particular, that are talking about recycling their old cars. I and, sure and hope they start doing in. this. It really has to be government enforced. I think. I really think that. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I think if you if you look at if you look at people that are concerned about AI taking jobs from a human, which 
I understand that is a concern for people and you can go all the way into the universal credit thing, which, you know, and then the, you know, digital wallets and all that scary stuff that, that you might hear about, but just dealing with it as without what the connotations may be. If, if you're worried about AI, like there's McDonald's now, there's three of them in America that have got zero people, no humans. It's all AI. Man. Who do you complain to there? Yeah. <laughs> Who do you complain to when they, when they leave the onions on your burger that you don't want? Um, but if you've, if there's a concern for that, my personal thoughts on it are, well, okay. For example, with the General Motors staff in America, they were complaining about layoffs because they were shutting the engine plants and going to EVs. And that whole generation of skills that are going to be lost yeah. is something to consider. But if you're looking to keep people gainfully employed... There are other parts of the motor industry. So, for example, those people that were building engines, why can't they be dismantling engines on cars that have been returned? Yeah, They can dismantle them. They can say, this is okay, this is okay, this is not okay. We'll recycle that, we'll repurpose that. And those people can use the skills and the abilities that they've already got. And the government could enforce that, as a manufacturer, you have a responsibility that after you have to give us a lifespan of your car. And let's say you say it's seven years. We expect 50% of that time for the vehicle to be under warranty. The other 50% is up to them. And after seven years, should that customer decide that they would like to return the vehicle to you in exchange for a new one, you have to take it and there has to be a set price at the, at the time of sale. And I don't see how hard that could be. Yeah. And then you enforce that people inside their own manufacturing plant are then recycling their own vehicles mm. i don't get why you wouldn't do that you know why would you not do that yeah i i think that the only thing i can think of when we start talking about that is we've been educated and conditioned into this disposable mindset yeah. where you buy something when you're done with it you trash it you yeah. throw it away it's yeah. someone else's problem and I think that's we, yeah. But I think that has to change because it has to change, and 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 there's only dump so much. It and, happens with everything. Yeah, you, you you can take. I mean, I know I know people that um, that hunt the food that they eat. They hunt it or they grow yeah. it, right? I know people like that, and obviously not here, but I know people like that. And if they successfully kill something to eat, absolutely every single part of that animal is processed in some way and used. Mm. whether it's using the fur for something or the the bones for something else or whatever everything gets used and appreciated but like you like you just said you go to the butcher for your meat you're throwing plastic in the bin yeah and you know even if let's take it away from me and you say you, you're on a vegan or vegetarian diet okay you go and buy an avocado where's that come from oh no no it's even worse i i i i go and shop at our friend's place in the fruit and veg market yeah, yeah. fresh fruit and they've changed a little bit of what they're doing because they're they're trying to be a little bit more accessible to a a larger consumer base who want a little bit more finity as opposed to going and digging around in boxes, which is what drew me to this place to start with. Now I, I go in and I can still dig around because they, they want that. But so much of everything is now coming in plastic yeah, containers. There's and, no loose barrels of apples yeah. to go through and pick. I mean, the they ones have you them. Want. So you, if you, I mean, they they have that stuff. But then they've got packaged pieces up, up above, and I bring my own wrapping. So even if it comes in plastic, I take it out of the plastic, leave it with them, saying, "Hey, at least the styrofoam, reuse it." 
And if it's in, you know, one of those plastic containers with the lid, you know, take it off. Say, well, at least put another sticker on it because I don't need to take this home. I got my own reusable bags, but that's what I used to love. Again, is that we were eliminating a whole bunch of the, the waste. Not doing it anymore. Yeah, it's strange because it's, it's becoming, it's becoming. We're going to have to do it rather yeah. than it just makes sense to do it. You know, and, yeah. and that that's a worry, and it's kind of it. it it's very. It's pertinent when you come to talking about the motor, the motor industry is on a very, very, I mean, we, you know, we're talking about a car that's named the Bison. Yeah. And the reason it's named the Bison <laughs> is because of how huge it is. 35-inch off-road tires. Yeah, I mean, that's that's relatively <laughs> that's relatively okay. But when you start talking about the size of this pickup truck and yeah. the engine that's going to be in it, and, you know. I, like, I, love, I love the Multimatic Hydraulic Pump. Uh, multi bump stop, yeah, multi-matic hydraulic bump stop designed to help cushion hard landings, and it shows. I posted a picture in here. We'll post the links up for this, but I posted a picture of the suspension. Unbelievable! <laughs> it's like I'm looking at this going, oh why? Yeah, oh why? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's it's made more for for sort of rock climbing than I, on the road. I, they've gone definitely gone with that yeah. on the uh, yeah on the promo here. Big engine too, big yeah, approach it's... angle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it's offering three hundred and ten horsepower, two point seven liter four cylinder engine turbo, obviously, and it's one of those cars that. In isolation, without any thought of what we've just spoken about, it's a great car. Yeah. You know, fantastic at, car. At the heart of it, they're saying it's still a ZR2. Yeah. But that's, I mean, uh, if you, that's if, not a bad if, thing. And that's a, two, that's a 300 horsepower out of a 2.7. It's not enough for me, really. But the the torque figures will, yeah. they'll have gone for a torque engine. But if you go back to like, you know, the 70s, and they've got like cars like, seven liter engines with 180 <laughs> horsepower yeah <laughs> again we've come on massively right you it's, get, it's insane you get one liter engines now three cylinder that are doing over 110 120 horsepower yeah so interesting interesting point about this this bison as i'm looking at one of the pictures and there's i'm i'm, I'm looking via car and driver so i'm looking at the seats and the dash and my first response when I saw the dash, I said, is that, is that a Bronco? Am I looking, did they, did huh. they get the wrong pick? It looks like a Bronco to me. Yeah, even having got the Bison logo, <laughs> it makes it. <laughs> I mean, I really thought I'm looking at a Bronco. Yeah. But it is it is not the 2024 Chevy Colorado ZR2 Bison. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, um, an exercise in, yeah, we'll make a Chevy Bolt, but here's a big Bison. <laughs> no, we'll have a little EV over there, but here's the a, a pickup truck that could carry it around on its bed. So strange times, strange. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it'd be nice to think that the that they could that they could continue side by side, but unfortunately, I think yeah. cars like this are going to be slowly on the decline. Yeah, but you know where they're going? China. China's getting all the petrol engines. Hey, I tell you, right. <laughs> I was in, oh, what was the name of it? I was, I like looked at it, nearly fell over and choked, and then I had to Google what it was. I saw this a VW in the car park, 
and it was called a Veloren. A VW Veloren. Yeah. Oh, that's and a Chinese like, car. What is that? Yeah. And I looked at it. I was like, "That's that's shocking." Looked at it, <laughs> and shocking. And why? Why was it shocking? What was shocking about it? Because it looks like an American old school, like from the nineties minivan that's been stretched a little ah, bit okay. and squashed. Gotcha. And it got a big Volkswagen badge on the front. The front end wasn't the worst bit, but as it goes past you for days. <laughs> And then I was like, Valor, and what's that? And then they are made in China, and it's part of the SAIC Volkswagen partnership. Okay. And if you need a new car now, you've got to get a Chinese car. Yeah. There's very, very little available anywhere else, any manufacturer, very little available anywhere. But you go to all of the Chinese car showrooms, they're packed out. Cars coming out of their ears. I, I was intrigued by the fact that Cadillac has discontinued the CT6 sedan series pretty much. It's, you know... Sedans are dead, aren't they? They're not in China. <laughs> but here we go. This rear-wheel drive exclusive turbocharged two-liter inline four that is modernized. And I, I was looking at the images of that vehicle and going, you know, again, car and driver, courtesy of them. But I'm looking at what that Cadillac looks like. I'm going, I don't want. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a, that's a, that's a fine looking Cadillac. Yeah. And all I kept thinking was not for sale in North American Europe. We're kind of in between. We have a lot of Chinese cars here. Yeah. Wonder if they'll come here. And then I'm thinking what you were talking, we were talking about it with the ID series from Volkswagen and the fact that those are no longer coming in from China. How long till, you know, some some of these Cadillacs start showing up from China? How That's long till they Al Gandhi, stop right? showing up? Yeah. How long till Al Gandhi says, hey, hold on a second. Although they don't come from anywhere else, so. Yeah, I mean, they've got to, you know, they've not long taken Cadillac on in their in-house from Liberty. Yeah. They've not long had it, like the last few years. So they've got to make a go of it. And and you don't need cars coming in that you, one, can't offer in the first place, but two, if you could, you're getting them in there cheaper. So, I mean, the only the only thing that, again, we have to talk about is that when you are importing a car, you importing a car here, you're losing the warranty on it. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to enforce the international warranty yeah. because the vehicle is not made for this market this market is specifically sorry there are vehicles that should be specifically designed for this market and that's how you get around the international warranty and there's some vehicles not offered here because this climate and environment is not good for them so you're just going to have a 100,000 dirham 200,000 dirham (laughs) car that has got no warranty on it which could be very speaking of warranties that could be really really problematic by the way but Speaking of warranties, there was an advertisement for a Chinese vehicle on Instagram from one of the dealers. I don't know if it was GAC or or what. One million kilometer warranty. Nice. <laughs> I just went, what? <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Now, I don't know what was being warranted. It didn't say how comprehensive the warranty was. But if it's your drivetrain. One million kilometers or four years, whichever comes first. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought, wow, mm. wow. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> taxi. This is a taxi. They want to sell these. Yeah, there must have taxis. been. There must have been a. There must have been a time on it. I mean, in the UK, I don't know if they still do it, but Vauxhall 
um, that part of they're called Opal in Europe and it's General Motors ultimately they did a lifetime warranty for a car unlimited mileage unlimited age but it was only relevant to the first owner ah and be transferred but you know cars can be made super reliable now yeah but external factors are something that you can't account for so they have to have they have to have finite warranty terms because it, it just wouldn't make sense and you know the reason we'd be complaining about the golf G, the golf no longer being made isn't because they think they're going on bigger and better things it's because Volkswagen have gone out of business because they were warranting their cars forever yeah so yeah the, the cars are super reliable now but the, they're not impervious to external mm. stress you know if you don't drive the car properly if you hit speed bumps too fast yeah. if somebody crashes into you if there's a floor door if you leave the windows open and it rains in or yeah. whatever it may be so they have to have finite yeah. terms living here we could be in a, a great environment i just want to back up to the chinese vehicles in that that they could be the last bastion of internal combustion engines and living here in the middle east because we get so many Chinese cars, this could be a good place to be. Yeah. I mean, the only thing here is, you know, I just don't see how you replace a Nissan Patrol Super Safari with the best latest offering from <laughs> Honky. <laughs> don't get me wrong, the, Honky, yeah. making a supercar and great, looks amazing. Yeah. But, but it's not a Super Safari. You have, just like you have, just like you have traditional food in countries and, and, and traditional dress and whatever else it may be, there are also things such as traditional modes of transport and we've got the camel and we've got the patrol and we've got the, the land, cruiser. land cruiser. That's it. You know? Yeah. That's and oh, and, and, and those Lexus uh, the older the older yeah, model yeah. Lexus. <laughs> yeah, the four seventies, yeah. The four seventies. I've never seen so many of those anywhere, but they're so reliable, clearly. All brought in from America, and they make that yeah. trip between Abu Dhabi and wherever, and uh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. There, speaking of crazy things, there's a I, I posted in, and I only realized after that I linked an email. So one of the nice things about Google, if you're in the Google environment, is you can, on your subject line, if you're reading an email, you can copy your subject line, fire it into your documents, and then you can access it later. But of course, it only works for me, not for you. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, uh, although I'm pretty sure I emailed you a Ford presser and that's what this what this is and it's talking about the the headline is clever aerodynamics borrowed from Mustang sports car help the Ford Ranger Raptor slice through the air and I thought this was kind of cool because this is uh, Australia the Australian I believe it's the Australian Raptor they're talking about and it's the the Ranger Raptor but they've borrowed the the aerodynamic shaping around the wheel wells to help the airflow better and you know that that ranger as a as a smaller pickup that's kind of cute looking yeah i think i'd probably take that over the f-150 to be honest it, at least like you'd be able to places. park it at least yeah it fits places yeah. and it's it's reasonable we we drove a first gen one years ago out to banias island and it was fun it was diesel it was great yeah those diesels those 3.2 diesels are uh, good it was like really really great yellow and it was it was good so i i like the way you know, auto companies are looking at, okay, how do we borrow across our lines and, and what are we learning? What, what mistakes have we made? How can we fix things? And yeah. especially, I guess they got to keep the engineers busy as you start cutting vehicles from your line. Keep them busy, but also 
keep justifying making the cars you want to make because you've got to keep yeah. bringing those emissions figures down. Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. Which is, there's nothing wrong with an aspiration to do that. There will obviously be a ceiling, but you know I don't think we're ever going to get to total perfect combustion. But at the end of the day, like we've said, from 1905 to today, lots has changed. It's amazing. It, it is absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, you've got you know you've got little cars with three cylinder engines now that would win, that would win the first ever Le Mans. Yeah, because they're reliable, they're just as quick, they handle better. So you know we've got a lot to be proud of when it comes to the automotive industry, and there's a lot of clever men and women that are still pushing it and are also still capable of pushing it, and that's on. Uh, hammers and spanners side but also on the software side mm. you know if you if you can get into the mo- automotive industry these days into coding and writing software it's a massive massive thing and it's 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 the difference between a vehicle meeting and not on a emissions regulation yeah. and it's all coding it's all down to the coding so there's a lot of smart people out there that are that are facilitating this kind of stuff and you know i think it'd be i I hope that we can continue for 50 60 years and see where we get because i genuinely don't believe that there's a there's a solution unless we go hydrogen i just don't believe that the electric solution is the one to go for hydrogen hydrogen's around the corner i really i just think the the challenge is and this conspiracy theory here is the, the big automotive makers who've invested for years and years in internal combustion engines, they don't want hydrogen because their engines work really well based on what they're doing at present. And they've still, they've still I think they've done the amortization and said, you know, we got another 20 years here. So let's push 20 years. Let's put up obstacles. Let's buy the companies up that are pushing hydrogen so that we can control that. And, you know, 20 years from now, we'll be able to roll out a perfectly ready-to-go hydrogen option that is just going to sort of jump in and say, hey, electric was fun, but let's move on. And, and I know someone said to me, we'll never be able to get rid of electric cars. And I started, I looked at them and I said, remember the A380, which there are still some. The airports around the world redid terminals, they redid runways, and the A380 is no longer being built. So we're, we're phasing them out. It, anything can be done. <laughs> <laughs> anything can be done and, and you know i think when we've spoken before i've always said that i get it you know there's, yeah. an, there's an oil lobby yeah and there is and the 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 but the, the fact of the matter is it's expensive to make hydrogen still you still you require electricity if you're making yeah. it from water i get it it's the most abundant element in the universe but unless jeff bezos can figure out a way or with Elon Musk that they can make some kind of tunnel that will allow us to go into space and bring back hydrogen from some far off star or whatever. Weren't they working on one of those space towers that just, you know, it's got a balloon at the top that holds Who it in knows? place? And I don't know. But there's, there's a cost now to making hydrogen. There's also the fear, just like there was with steam engines, of how you store yeah. the hydrogen. But Cummins, diesel, commercial diesel engines, they do a hydrogen they okay. do hydrogen internal combustion. There you go. There's hydrogen fuel cell that you can use to generate electricity. There's hydrogen fuel cell yeah. that you can use for internal combustion. There's no, there's not, there's not as much of a limit. And with a hydrogen fuel cell, 
they can be filled. Right. And well, that's like trains, right? Trains, Cummins is just using technology in a sense that trains could actually, you know, diesel electric engines. There's no reason you couldn't have a diesel electric hydrogen engine that switches between things. Listen, I mean, in the UK, we made the mistake, not the mistakes, it, it worked out well and, and it was a good thing at the time. But in the Industrial Revolution, we went with the train tracks that we went with and you know that is what it is isambar kingdom brunel designed trains on the wider track right the wider track meant they were faster they could carry more load they could go around corners quicker much more stable less likely to have major accidents and come off the tracks if they did the infrastructure was already laid down it was the 1800s and there was no way there was the population and manpower nor the money to rip that up and redo it so we left it and we left it on the narrow lines and it's still to today narrow lines but we're hamstrung by that because right. your trains can't get much better than they are and i think the example you used of the airports being changed for 380s was not necessarily a conscious response to that in particular but is an, an example of look we've gone so far but we really need to change because times have changed and we yeah. can do it better so let's do this before we go too far before we start going down this electric car pathway if you like too far i genuinely think there should be time to pause and reflect and say okay where are we at volkswagen general motors ford where are we with hydrogen just where are we because i can put hydrogen in my i can change my petrol tank in under the ground at my fuel station and put hydrogen in it and i can change the hose and i can change the gun on the end or whatever you want to call it the nozzle and i can fill a car with hydrogen just like i can fill with right. petrol and there's no queues and there's no one blocking charges yeah. and if you want to keep the evs that you've made no problem let's keep going what we've got now is manageable right yeah i just think it's a better option and i think if you've got more than one solution if you have more than one solution to any problem or plan more than one different outcome then i think you you, you stand a much better chance because ultimately the goal is to wean ourselves off of crude oil to propel ourselves around in cars right i get it we're running out. And like we've just said, if you go to the hospital and you need life-saving surgery, the chances are you're going to be hooked up to a machine that's made out of plastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that plastic comes from crude oil. And if yeah. someone's doing donuts in a car park with the last bit of crude oil in their tank, then you're going to be gutted. So I get it. We've got to make out what we can of, of the existing yeah. crude oil and the remaining crude oil. How much is left? I don't know. Yeah. Nobody really no one knows. knows. But there can't be that much. So certainly there has to be an option to to have a solution to that. I just think that having one solution doesn't make sense. The 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 hybrid ones that are plug in hybrids are just asking for trouble. You've still got the <laughs> you've still got the issue of having to plug in, you've still got the issue of the battery, and you've got the issue of well when the battery's gone, the engine's no good to you anyway. Yeah. The 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 purely electric ones Please, I, uh, I I recommend anybody go and watch the documentaries about cobalt and nickel mining. Oh, man, it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And, and, it's heartbreaking. And it's, you know, it, it's just well, terrible. And, and they call it, I think, what do they call it? Clean cobalt. The companies that are selling it that say, no, 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 we don't have, uh, yeah, we don't have any, I think they, I think they term them subcontracted employees or anything like that. We only have full-time employees. The sites are secure. There are images 
And th- this is a limited resource. This isn't everywhere in the world. There are only a few places you can get it. Yeah. And well, you, there you, are thousands of people, and I'm talking children to grandparents of a family, scavenging around in what I equate to people scavenging around in on slag heaps in in the UK when we used to, you know, when there was struggles in the UK in the yeah. in the in the 20th century and people scavenging around for coal outside a coal mine you know yeah. it's literally the same and, and what we're doing is 2023 well, and this is a poisonous substance yeah. you've got two choices you go for the cheaper route and there's a bunch of countries in africa where as you said exploitation yeah it's shocking. Uh, but not even that some of it's some of it's voluntary well but, then, the but people... then you get the other side where you can you can get you know cobalt and nickel in canada but the cost yeah yeah because because it is regulated because it's regulated so suddenly then your your mining operations are going, I don't know if this is why. No, but this is the problem. We, we talked about this, like, we're talking about trying to save the environment by reducing the cars on the road that are burning fuel. And great, no, no issue with it. But that doesn't stop someone in a third world country that needs to boil a pan of water yeah. burning whatever they can burn. Yeah, exactly. Because that's all they've got. So, yeah, I think you've just got to have a, you've just got to have a sensible, you've got to have a sensible answer and be open to having a sensible solution and having more than one of them. And I think right now we're going in a little bit blinkered and you have that pushback when you offer an alternative view of, like you've mentioned the word conspiracy, right? That, yeah. That's what people assume you, you're doing. But like I say, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend any watch anybody watch the documentaries about cobalt mining. It's, it's an eye opener mm-hmm. and there are always going to be negatives. You know, it's not great drilling for oil in the sea. It no, isn't. No. It really isn't. But we genuinely can't stop that overnight. Yeah. We've got to have something in process. And when it comes to transport, public and individual, I think it's got to get pushed really, really strong to get the hydrogen. There are hydrogen cars out there. There are hydrogen filling stations already out there. We just need to push it a little bit further. Yeah. What's going on in the shop as we uh, round out this podcast? What uh, getting hot and sweaty? That's what it's doing. Oh man, you know what? It's I, disgusting. It's uh, we. I was talking again with about this with Colin and air conditioning and being on roofs. Yeah, you're in the shop here. We're not. We're not at the Audi shop where who knows what their air conditioning budget is. And you've got some <laughs> high end places where yeah. it's all inside, all air conditioning doors are always closed. But there's a premium for that. Yeah, you're you're a, a regular entrepreneur. You know doing what you have to do yeah you got fans but it's hot yeah it's just it's and the humidity the yeah, humidity you, just is is unforgiving yeah. you know like you can kind of deal with the baking heat yeah you know but the humidity you just from from minute one to the end of the day you know wringing your clothes out by the time you get home and it's not comfortable well and it's but, exhausting for the the technicians yeah, yeah, yeah. who are we, looking at things you know we've got We've got situation, obviously, typical seasonal AC. Everyone now noticing very sensitive to the AC. And it, it was literally, you. we feel the humidity. <laughs> yeah. And then people notice their AC isn't as good as it was. Like I said, yeah. when it's dry and it's hot, you don't necessarily notice it too bad. If your AC is blowing any kind of air, it's okay. Yeah. But when you're sticky from humidity, it's not blowing cold. It's just making it worse. So suddenly you're yeah. you're filled up to the gunnels with people who've got AC issues. Yeah, Andrew was in having the Tahoe done for the AC. Andrew Thomas and you know Digi Geekster. Yeah, we've got lots of 
lots of AC working at the minute. My Tuareg, you heard the phone call, that's coming in for the AC yeah. to be checked. So, you know, there's there's lots of typical seasonal issues and, you know, we, I, we date the podcast by <laughs> saying it. I mean, where we are is always a need for AC. Yeah. We have a couple of months where you can turn it off, but now it's very, very hot and humid in, and we're like this now for the next two and a half, three months. I, I have the, the situation, I know that the humidity is really kicked in because I'm driving the Yellow Wrangler, not today, but i driving the Yellow Wrangler, no windows. Yes. And when it's 43 degrees, 45 degrees and not humid, it's 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 great. You know, at the stoplights, you want some air movement, but the humidity is kicked in. At stoplights, I'm doing uh, vehicle maintenance, essentially, preventative <laughs> maintenance. I'm turning on my AC, A, to get some blow, but also to make sure I lubricate up all the uh, seals. But I'll be at the set of lights and I've got the AC going because there's no air movement and I am melting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the wife it, does say, well, put the windows in. And I, and, and then I say, well, it's, it, she's, who are you doing this for? I said, well, Glenn and I, <laughs> says, uh, so Glenn, you're, you're driving and you're, you're going through three sets of clothes for Glenn. And I'm going, you know, I, I also say I'm just reverting to my Emirati root heritage yeah. and the forefathers of this great country did not drive around in AC. No, no. My my first boss here, Frank Murray, he told me when he when he came, he bought himself a car, and he bought a car for his wife, who was a nurse in a hospital, and that neither of those had AC. Yeah. That was in the mid to late seventies. Yeah. Had no AC, and they were driving around. There you go. Yeah. So, so and I don't I, do I don't think global warming's had much of an impact <laughs> in that time. So maybe a degree here or there, but yeah, yeah it, they used to do it. Yeah. So this is this is the big ticket item right now. Just making sure your AC and I see I see cars overheating again because ACs aren't working correctly. More draw on the engine. Cooling systems need to be checked, or they've just filled them with water or stuff. We had a Porsche came in yesterday. Came on recovery, and the reason it was recovered was that the customer got the coolant level low message on the dashboard. Opened up the boot, uh, mid engine, and open up the cover uh didn't know what to do went to the front opened up the bonnet where an engine would be on the front driver car saw something that looked like fluid took the cap off it tipped water in it and it only took about 100 mils and it was overflowing over the top and noticed that there was some kind of brownie fluid on the top and the cap was yellow because it was a brake fluid reservoir yeah. So what's what's a repair like that? Well, ultimately, what we had to do, Radisson Hotels Group, nice. Ultimately, what we had to do was got to flush the whole system, flush the whole system out. Yeah. So we we used a syringe to get it out of the bottle. So we weren't pushing it through the system, and then we just had to flush it all the way through, pack four liters of brake fluid all the way through it. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was interesting. It was. Um, one of those phone calls you don't really want to get. No. Because that, <laughs> thankfully, was picked up on. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, didn't keep driving. Because, you know, you get water in the brakes, and it is not good. Brakes don't work with water in them. Else they'd put water in them, because it'd be cheaper than fluid. This is the message of the podcast. If you're going to be rooting around in your underneath the hood, and look, your car breaks down, it overheats, you're going to go open up the bonnet. If you're opening up the bonnet because it overheats, wait a little bit so you don't get scalded or anything. But pay attention to where you're thinking about pouring things in. All the reservoirs, all the caps look the same these days. 
So take a read, take a look. If in doubt, do nothing. If the manual's <laughs> in the car, use the manual. Yeah. Send a photograph of what you're looking at to your mechanic that you usually go to and ask them what do you put and where do you put it. Yeah. Otherwise, like you just said, any doubt do without nothing. solution, just put it on a truck and send it in. It's too hot to mess around at the side of the road anyway. Well, it's dangerous. Just send yeah. it in. And and this all comes back to when you when you're getting a new or used car, make sure they walk you through where everything is. And if you need to put a little label on stuff, do it because there's no shame in that. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Because you don't want to end up in the middle of nowhere whether you're heading out to the cottage whether you're heading out into the desert and you're going for dinner because it's always when you got to be doing something you head to a graduation something goes wrong you think oh, i got this covered well, i'll just pour some more water in i've got a good use of plastic take a picture of the engine bay label it laminate okay. it put it in the glove box there you go done that's a great idea then you know why isn't every why isn't that done when people buy cars they give you a little gift here you go we've yeah, labeled where it, stuff it, goes it is. it's in the manual people don't read them <laughs> Well, I think it's because the manual is is so daunting. It's this big, thick paper thing. When you need, you need four or five quick reference cards. Yeah, what a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's what I would say. Take a picture of the yeah. engine bay, label everything, laminate yeah. it, boom, put it in the glove box or behind the sun visor. Yeah, or in the pocket in the seat behind the driver. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Oh man, you're busy today. Yeah. Very busy today here Very. at Powerworks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glenn, you know what? As the phone is ringing off the hook, as you're getting messages galore, I think we're going to uh, wrap up the show for yet another week here at Powerworks Garage. Get, get in touch with Glenn, by the way. If you've got any questions, queries, comments, Powerworks Garage, easy to find. Just Google them and you will find them there. And if you're not following Instagram, Glenn's Instagram with Powerworks Garage, you should be because some great images of vehicles and things to keep your mind on when they're all kind of falling apart and what the new parts look like yeah so it's kind of it's kind of cool uh once again thank you everyone who's watching thank you everyone who's listening through whatever stream comment like give us suggestions you are why we keep doing this and it's been an absolute pleasure to be here once again glenn we'll do it all again real soon thank you